Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Secret Birds HQ podcast. And today we are in podcast number six with our very special guest, Tanya Fitzpatrick. Hello, Tanya. Hello, Joanne and everyone else. Hi, thanks so much for joining us today. So where are you today, Tanya? I know you're in the U.S. Where, which city are you in? I'm in the metro Washington, D.C. area. Ah, uh, okay, okay. Yeah, specifically Silver Spring, Maryland. Ah, okay, I'm familiar. I, I lived in D.C. for a while, so I'm, I'm familiar with that area. Well, we're so happy to have you with us. And Tanya is the founder of World Footprints Media. And today she's going to be sharing with us how she discovered that travel was her passion and why she walked away from a stellar legal career. Um, Tanya is really interested in the transformative power of travel. So Tanya, tell us more about you, who you are. Uh, give us a bit of information about your journey from, from legal to where you are now in uh, running World Footprints Media with your husband, Ian. Yeah, I'm pleased to. And, you know, there, there's a couple of layers to my story. Um, you know, and a lot of people have asked me, you know, how do you find your passion and how can I find my passion? And I kind of went through a process um, that I followed in my TED Talk last year, um, which was essentially, you know, I identified my, my interest and also defined my passion. And those things, the emergence of those things actually led to what I call my true calling with World Footprints. And the way I got there, oddly enough, was on um, a travel trip. My husband and I were in San Francisco, and at that time, I was a senior legal advisor at Homeland Security. Mm. Uh, I was a federal, federal contractor, uh, but it was right at the early stages of Homeland Security. Okay. And although I loved the people that I worked around, I loved my boss, um, I loved the work, I knew even then that there was a glass ceiling, um, mm. for, you know, the legal profession. As a female, you're referring to gender-wise. You knew that there would yeah. only be so far that you could go there. Hmm. Well, right. that and, and the industry, the legal industry has changed a lot. And, uh, and so I knew there was only so far I could go. Um, and I knew that there was something else that... I was supposed to be doing. I, I could not put my finger on it to save my life. Mm. Um, but you know, fast forward, we met a a um, a life coach at uh, at a cocktail party in um, at our hotel in San Francisco. And don't you just love cocktail parties? You meet I the do. most interesting people at these these little functions and events. <laughs> I do. And, you know, Joanne, I, I hail from the Midwest, and so I'll talk to a tree. Ah. People. <laughs> so, you know, I happen to meet this woman and her sister. And, um, and Ian is also a lawyer. My husband is also a lawyer. Mm. And, um, and I was doing most of the complaining about the legal profession. And this lovely woman, who is still a friend um, to this day, um, she said, you know, why don't you think about these things? And she, you know, she, she, we just talked through the conundrums that, um, you know, we were going through, Ian and I were going through. And when we got to back to the hotel room, Ian said, did you think about uh, Vivian's question. Her name is Vivian Van Leer. Mm -hmm. um, she said, did you think about Vivian's questions? You know, what do you, what made you happy as a child that makes you happy today? Mm. And immediately, I two things popped up. Horses. I'm an equestrian. I've always loved horses. Okay. And travel. Mm. And so, but I, you know, I thought, we have no money for a race pony Horses are very expensive. Indeed, pets. they are. Indeed, they are. <laughs> so, you, so you know, we looked at travel and decided we're going to build a travel agency, and um, we're going to, you know, see where that takes us. And we we saw the opportunity to travel as a travel agent, and we we actually opened our agency a month later. 
So was it Ian's passion as well? Or, or what did you, because obviously he asked you the question, but I'm thinking, did he ask himself the question as well? And he found out it was his passion too? Well, it, it, travel is certainly something that we share. And in fact, but for the fact that Ian had traveled abroad, I would not have even agreed to meet him. And so mm. um, his cousin introduced us and, um, and, you know, I found out he was a lawyer as well. And I thought there's absolutely no way I want to date another lawyer. Yeah, because when you're in that profession, in your profession, you know what the others are like. And you think, oh, God, I want the furthest thing from that, don't you? Right, right, right. <laughs> but, but then he, his cousin said, well, you know, he, he spent half of his life in Michigan. And Michigan is my home state. And, I, and so I thought, okay, hmm, maybe he has good Midwestern values. Mm. Yeah, because that's important to me, especially in this town, Joanne. I mean, you know, imagine, I know you hear the stories about D.C., um, yeah, <laughs> you know, and I went, I went to American University in Washington, D.C. So I, I'm very familiar with D.C. Um, and I lived and worked around there for a bit prior to moving to London. So yes, D.C. is, uh, D.C. is an interesting place. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's its own animal. It's yes. its own animal. And, yes. you know, and in the, the political world, which is, you know, the world I also come from, you know, there's, there is a population and <laughs> we can, we can, uh, without going down that rabbit hole, we know those people who have warped senses of self-importance and yeah. you know, they, they belittle others. And I mean, it's just, it, it's just a very interesting, um, dynamic here. It's a very political city. I mean, versus right. say my being in London where I feel like I've got a little bit of everything in London, you know, I've got grime, I've got grunge, I've got, I've got upscale, I've got low scale, I've got any, any way I feel or any way I want to be, I can step out of my flat in London and just be that on that day. <laughs> I think London's got that diversity. Um, and it's just a dynamic and I'm very biased towards London, obviously. Um, DC is very, it's very political and it's very, um, I, I know personally, I felt a bit sort of uh stifled there um yeah. but uh, but in terms of studying like university i really enjoyed studying uh in dc because it's the capital of the u.s and there was there's a there was a lot happening and um especially for someone who's interested in international relations and environmentalism and globalism there was so much in terms of the world bank and the imf and all these international organizations but um living there long term i always kind of thought nah and I think this suits my personality. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it, it, it changes for me. And, and now that I'm really working most of the time, I mean, I still do law. Ian and I are both count, contract attorneys. So, but, it, it, you know, that work gives us the freedom to come and go. Right. And so we can do back to back to back to back trips and come back to, to work. Um, and, you know, it's hard to make uh, a living as a journalist. <laughs> yeah, it's very difficult. Yeah. 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 Hence, you know, hence the uh, the movement towards public speaking now. Um, Especially but, in with with all this technology, everyone's um, everyone's blogging. Everyone's everyone's uh, commanding their own space on the internet, and uh, journalism. Because I, when I worked. Uh, in the corporate space, I did freelance writing on the side. I did it on the side because I always knew making a career out of this would be difficult. And, you know, you got paid sort of a little, you know, a set amount to write an article or something like that, or you got featured in return. But um, you're right, making a career out of it, it's, um, it, it's very difficult. It is very, very difficult. But I think most journalists, most writers do it for the love and the passion at the end of the day. Yeah, and with, you know, hence, uh, hence, this is where we are. But going back to your question about Ian, um, yes, Ian, you know, your husband, <laughs> his his cousin, you know, his cousin did a very good job convincing me, you know, that he's a great guy, and and his cousin and I were friends. And oddly enough, I met his cousin on the campaign trail when I was working for a gubernatorial candidate for Maryland. And, um, and so I thought, okay, this is a, he's a great guy. I'm going to trust him. And so, but I asked him after learning that Ian spent some time in Michigan, a good part of his life, 
I asked him, does Ian have a passport and are there stamps in it? <laughs> and, and that was my, that was I love my, that. I love that. That's going to be my criteria for a husband. <laughs> Do you have a passport? And more importantly, does it have stamps? Yeah. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> you know, and, and I tell you why somebody, one of his friends actually criticized me and, you know, he said, oh, that's a very high standard, Tanya. And I said, you know what? I offer no apologies. But uh, the reason why is that I lived in London. Mm, um, yes, for a yes. number of years. Because you, you went, you, you did a degree at the LSC, I believe, right? London yeah, School of Economics, right? Right, mm -hmm. right. And you know, and when you when you live abroad for as long as I did, and travel, you know, London, like DC, is a great travel hub. Uh -huh. um, yeah. Your world view changes, and I needed somebody who understood my view of the world and didn't see the black and white in everything or um, you know, didn't automatically jump to conclusions about other cultures. That was very, very important to me. And so- Absolutely. But I think also, you know, Tanya, everyone's going to have their criteria. For another woman, it would have been, does he have a degree? You know? And for another woman, it would have been something else. So I think that's just your criteria. And I feel like everyone's going to have their thing that they want in another person. So I don't think it's high maintenance. It's just a different thing, you know, right. that you want. Yeah. Right. And he happens to have three degrees like I do. He has an MBA and right. a law degree. And so that, that helped. But what was important to me was that passport and his, his travel experience. Yeah. Yeah. So, so luckily, you know, we share that and that's why we work very well together with World Footprints. And mm. I think he gives me more the creative space to take World Footprints in the direction that it's going. And, um, you know, I think in today's world, I think it's very important, the message that we share uh, that we all share a common humanity, that people are much kinder, that the world is much safer. Mm -hmm. those, those are important messages. And that's how I know I've actually have found my true calling. And, in, in, you know, it was kind of an a, a, um, integration, a marriage of all of the things that I love. I went to law school because I wanted to help people. Mm. Um, because I have, I nothing makes me more angrier than social injustice and mm. you know bullying. I was I was bullied as a kid, and um, it's weren't we all? <laughs> I feel like all of us were to some extent. Really? <laughs> no, because, you know, bullying, I feel like we talk so much about bullying now. But yeah. I, I remember having a conversation with my mom and she said, you know what, though, Joanne, bullying has always been around. We just talk about it more. And it's sort of like how, how you deal with bullying. Because I feel like now bullying is so much more pronounced. Mm -hmm. uh, it's so much more in your face. Um, perhaps maybe generations ago, it was, it was a bit more subtle or it wasn't as harsh, but sometimes I think all of us were bullied in school, but just in different ways. But, you know, it depended on whether you were in the popular group or, you know, you have all these cliques in, in school, don't you? Right. But I feel, I feel like we were all bullied, but obviously some people were, were bullied much more than others. I mean, now you hear stories of, uh, people, student children being killed, you know, by bullies. It's awful yeah. now. It's awful. So, yeah. I know. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, but because of that, I mean, I, I still remember those experiences, Joanne, and, and I think it impacted me more yeah. uh, at the time it happened because, one, my uh, parents were actually in the process of separating and they subsequently divorced. Mm. And two, I grew up in such a multicultural family that I didn't really see a lot of differences. Um, you know, I had aunts who are Caucasian and um, Asian. I have cousins who are Latino and, you know, and, and so there's, there were a lot of people in my own immediate family who um, were, came from other cultures, essentially. Right. 
and um, it, you know, and I mean, we're all kind of a cultural gumbo, aren't we? Yes, <laughs> we're a little bit of everything, and so uh, that's especially that's, especially in the Americas where everything was created and people came from all over the world. You know, Africa, right. Asia, Middle East, and the indigenous people, and there's a lot of mixing. But right. um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and, and so, you know, that, and then I know that I was picked on um, by, by two black girls, um, mm -hmm. and because, you know, I, my ethnicity is, is not very discernible, and, yeah, yeah. Um, and so they saw difference in me, and, and I think, you know, and I've, but I've, I've taken that um, experience and, you know, have tried to really help people embrace our differences and really celebrate our similarities. Um, and so, you know, going back even to my childhood, I knew what I wanted to do. I knew, I promised myself at the age of five, I was going to move to London. Mm. And I did. And, you know, because I had an uncle who was living in London and I loved every summer he came home michigan and his accent got a little bit stronger and mm -hmm. you got more british with time <laughs> more british with time and he still is and uh, <laughs> you know but, but i love that and i actually adopted a british accent uh as a kid and he said on the playground and became a popular kid on the playground <laughs> the kids loved that but you know that that was um, that was really the start of my introduction to a, a much broader world in my tiny little town of Lansing, Michigan. Right. So I really like how you blended um, your culture, your your personal family story, your challenges, your experiences being bullied, um, and everything, and what you love travel. You combined all of that into creating this. This, this business that you have now, I think that's really, 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 really transformative. And I think um, if, if um, other people listening to this can gain something from that, can glean something from that, that would be really, really good because um, it shows that you can, I think sometimes people want to start a business. They know they can be good at business, but they don't know where to begin. And sometimes the best place to begin is with yourself, mm -hmm. which is what you've done. Yeah, and you know, the caveat is that we're not making a lot of money with World Footprints. I mean, we're right, still right. as as lawyers, but I spend more time building World Footprints and thinking about World Footprints uh, than I do um, in my legal uh, daytime job. And when I leave that office, the, the legal work that I was doing stays there. I don't bring it home. And so I found a way to really separate, um, you know, the, the daytime, the paycheck work from the passion work. Right. Um, and somebody was asking me, you know, again, yesterday, going back to that question, well, how do you know, or how, how do I know, how can I find my passion? Mm. And my answer is, you already know what it is. Yeah. Um, the answers are all inside. They are, and I think if people are quiet enough to really listen to their heart and, you know, go through some of the exercises that, that I did, you know, thinking about what made them happy as a kid that may, still makes them happy today and really kind of defining what an interest is and what a passion is. And um, in my, my TED Talk last year, I, I defined that, you know, an interest is something that you really enjoy doing. And you know, you really believe in. And so my work as a lawyer, when I started out, you know, I have a very strong interest in social justice. And, and that's what led me to law. Um, I had another interest that's turned into a passion, which is photography. I love that art form and I invest more time and more money um, in photography because it's become a passion. Mm. And I think, and that's the, you know, that's how you can identify between interest and passion and then true calling, which is for me, world footprints and the, the message that we're sharing, that becomes something that you cannot not do. You have to do it. It like 
it pulls you, you know, right. it's like a magnet, <laughs> you know, and, you know, and you, you just can't help yourself. And, and I work myself beyond the point of exhaustion. I can't tell you how many nights, but it's joyful. Right. And I want to, I want, to, I would like you to rather elaborate on the point you just made. You said, I'm still a lawyer. I, I don't make a lot of money from, um, it's not a lucrative career, uh, world footprints, but it's what I love. And I, I think about it more and I'm passionate about it because you know, our, our members, um, and our community is it's, it's for aspiring and for recently, um, started entrepreneurs. So there's a lot in that. And I say that because a lot of people think, okay, I'm going to start a business and I'm going to make loads of money. And that's not how it works. <laughs> Most people build their business alongside working a full-time job. Mm -hmm. um, quite a few people, you know, there's some women who, okay, if they have partners who obviously have more income, then maybe they can, they gradually go into that or they can do it full-time because they've got that support or, but a majority of people don't start off just going full on into into running their business unless they've got funding already or like i said they've got a very wealthy person to back them it just doesn't work that way so right. i think it's important that people um really understand that you you are you and your husband are building something from scratch but you also have your legal career to fall back on um for for financial reasons and and so on and so forth so i think that's a really Im important point that you made because um one of the questions in your your blog q a style was how did your family and friends react when you told them you were going to sort of leave this career behind and i know that's really difficult because i think for a lot of women when you've when you've studied hard and you've worked hard and you've accumulated degrees and you're you've become quote unquote successful but you realize this isn't my thing or like you said there is a glass ceiling i should be doing something else it's very difficult to then face face your community and say i'm going to leave this behind to pursue my passion mm -hmm. so what was that experience like for you well, <laughs> I, I've always been ornery. I've always been headstrong. And so for me, you know, my family knows me well enough to know that, okay, you know, Tanya's going to do her own thing. She's going to go her own direction. There's nothing in the world we could say to, to, to stop her. And, um, and even with all the, I won't say nagging, um, that my uncle, and this is the same uncle who introduced me to the world at the age of five. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, he, he, he was not, um, he was not impressed, I'll say. Um, and even when we saw him a couple of years ago, you know, he, he talked to both Ian and I, and he's like, you guys aren't making money. You know, what are you doing here? And, you know, you have these, these great legal careers, yada, yada, yada. Um, but now, because, you know, I'm doing more public speaking and, you know, around the world and getting much more publicity and, um, you know, writing, uh, writing books. I have two in the works right now. Now that he sees that progression and the number of awards that we won, and how successful you're becoming and that the money will, the money will come. I really believe when right. you pursue your purpose, that thing, because I really believe we've all got some special gift that we were born with and we, right. we are here to bring it to the world. And when you find that thing and you start to pursue it, the money will come. I think if you chase money, you will always be impoverished. You will always have that, that space inside of you that's yearning for something else mm -hmm. but if you find a clever way to balance like you've done okay i've got my legal career i can fall back on but i'm going to pursue my purpose and pursue it relentlessly with this with this fervor and passion like you said it opens more doors things start to fall into place and eventually the money does come but you've got to be patient with yourself and with that process right and and you have to believe in it and i think you know if you don't believe in something that you're secretly pursuing it's not going to come and i think that's a quote um that i posted on my facebook page yesterday um, by nelson mandela who i absolutely adored and you know but but it's true when you follow your passion you have to step out on faith it, it is a faith walk um other things will come. It just may not come right away. In my case, in our case, it hasn't. It's been years in 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 the working, uh, in the ma making, and but I, we're starting to see. And and part of the reason why it's taken us so long is that we tried to be a little bit of everything to everyone when yeah. we started out. Yeah. And 
through the, the through the awards, more so through the awards that we have won, we've been be, we've begun to really define our voice, and we know it feels good for us. We know the direction we want to go. Um, you know, there's a lot of other travel journalists out there, a few broadcasts, and and we were looking for a way to uh, differentiate ourselves from from those folks. Um, and we, we found it. And that niche, the niche that we're growing, has come from our heart. And that's even more effective and more powerful than trying to find something that just makes you money. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, so because we know, you know, we have a niche audience, uh, it's a loyal audience. And oddly enough, as you know, you hear advertisers, they're moving towards that socially minded space. Absolutely, because the consumer is demanding more. The consumer right. is saying, we, we no longer want gimmicks and, and catchy phrases. We want to see what you're doing and we want you to be socially responsible and we're going to hold you accountable for that. So, so right. much of this business space is changing mm -hmm. and it's opening more opportunities for different types of entrepreneurs as well. But you mentioned that you've, um, you've won all the awards. So tell us a little bit about all the awards and all the success that you've um, that you guys have obtained since you started. Wow. Well, I'm looking at our um, <laughs> at our wall in uh, in our office here, and um, our first award actually came in 2009. Um, it was a first place award from the National or North American Travel Journalist Association. Okay. And. Um, I'm trying to see what show that was for. Oh, it was a show called On the Road to Freedom. It was about the Civil Rights Trail. And, okay. Um, and so I, we were in Vancouver covering the Olympic Games at that time and when we received notice that we uh, won the award. And I thought, how cool is this? You know, we got a gold medal at the Olympics. Um, and, and so that was our first award. And then we won several other gold awards through NACHA as well, the North America Travel Journalists Association. Um, we have won two golden mics from the Caribbean Tourism Organization. And we just picked up our latest golden mic last week. Um, <laughs> Fantastic. Congratulations. Yeah, and this and this is all after, and you started, tell us, remind us, when did you start your, your business? What year? Well, we started um, in 2007. And okay. then we rebranded, you know, we, we stopped because I got a call from the White House at the, the very same month that um, a radio station in D.C., W, um, oh, it was, it, it's a top talk conservative station. Okay. Um, they contacted us, and and so we really didn't we didn't grow. A lot of things were were put. Uh, they were treated like hobbies, I guess, the first few years. Mm. Um, when the administration ended, I uh, worked as a deputy assistant secretary at um, the Department of Education. Okay. Uh, under George W. Bush. Okay. Um, and so when his administration ended and I was actually asked to stay on a little bit for continuity purposes, um, when Obama took, uh, took office, uh, I actually declined. And the only reason why was because I wanted to get back to our show. And at that same time, we ended up rebranding, um, to world footprints and, and really, really started defining our voice and we went to into the digital space. So since 2010, since that first award, frankly, um, we, we've just been growing leaps and bounds. And so it's and, been about a total of 10 years, it sounds like. Ooh, uh, has, oh gosh, I guess so. Yeah. So mo I'd, I'd actually um, say maybe seven because it wasn't until 2010. We right, right, yes. Picked up uh, momentum. Um, so, and, and last year we had been chasing a Lowell Thomas Award, which is kind of the Emmy Award for travel journalism. And we picked up a silver 
And uh, that had been six years in the making. Um, you know, and what we did, we listened to the feedback, the judges' feedback about the shows that had won. Um, and we, we looked, took a look at what we were producing. And what we, it's boiled down to for us is that a lot of our historical-based stories and a lot of our um, narrative-like stories uh, have, have, are the ones that have won awards. So this, the recordings that we do on the ground, um, you know, that have some historical uh, relevance, those have been kind of our, our cash piles. And some of these awards um, have either very large um, travel prizes or money prizes. So, um, you know, the, we, we, we pay attention, uh, you know, to how we can go after, uh, you know, the next, uh, the next award. And, and frankly, it's built a lot of credibility um, for us, which has been necessary because, you know, the other thing I wanted to mention is that Ian and I are people of color, mm -hmm. and, you know, and there have been times when we have felt uh, that we weren't taken seriously. And, and so coming home with these top awards from these very- This is in, this taken seriously, do you mean in the US, in the context of America? No, uh, taken seriously in the travel journalism industry. Generally, so globally. Generally. Yes, yeah. Okay. And, um, and, and so I think now that, you know, people are, are really beginning to see us a lot on um, awards announcements, um, I actually just picked up two weeks ago, I've been recognized as a top woman in travel and tourism media. Brilliant. By, yeah, by the Women in Travel and Tourism International. So, you know, it got that, we, you know, the award from India. Um, yes, yes, yes. So, you know, those things are starting to make a difference and really starting to uh, cause people to, to take notice. Um, and so there, you know, there's a lot of value in, in what we've been doing and we've been strategic about the way we go about our um, recordings and interviews and, and try to do more of the on the ground narrative work than question answers. Um, and t tell us uh, just so people can can try to get an understanding of your experiences. You said as people of color, you weren't taken seriously uh, to give us some examples or share share some thoughts on that, because there may be people who don't understand that, who, who may not be people of color and who don't understand, like, what what ha what what does that mean? What is it that you believe that? Uh, what challenges you incurred that made you feel like, hmm, it's because we're of color, why this is happening? Or like, you know, just expand on that a bit so people can understand. Yeah, well, I mean, there's been a, a couple of times, actually many times, um, when we have been hosted on press trips, uh, when Ian and I have been the only people on the entire trip that are of a darker hue. Mm -hmm. And... Um, you know, and, and I mean, you, you, you know who I am. I, even with my lighter complexion. Yes, because um, you're very fair skin. You're very right, fair skin. Mm -hmm. Right, but I'm still seen in, in society, you know, I'm still seen as a person of color. And so there's been, you know, some looks and wonders, you know, why are we there? And, you know, uh, oh, we're just there for a free trip. And, and mm. there are some travel journalists, frankly, who um, will travel just for the free travel right use anything mm. um, and I think that, and that's where we have set ourselves apart because we do produce and more, you know most of the time we produce an award-winning show but initially you know starting out people questioned you know why are we there and they really didn't um, although you know cordial we could tell that we were not part of the club we were mm. not part of the club the clique <laughs> yeah yeah you know and but, but that doesn't bother that has never really bothered us because ian's upbringing was somewhat similar to mine mm -hmm. um and so you know we, we're used to a lot of other cultures being around a lot of other cultures and we're also used to um being seen the way that society wants to to see us 
Mm. Uh, so, you know, we're, we um, have broken through those barriers Good. Um, you know, Good. over the years, but starting out and, uh, and, and even today, some people, you know, are, um, I guess, very cautious um, around us and maybe some not so cordial. There was um, a conference that we went to about a month or so ago, Joanne, and mm-hmm. um, in the U.S. or outside? Yes, okay, U.S. and okay. one of our travel writing conferences, and there was an older lady that we have had been speaking to. You know, we see her every year at this conference. Uh, she's from California, um, and she happened to sit next to me at the breakfast table one day. And on this particular day, which was a day that I was presenting. Are uh, sitting on a panel at uh, this conference. She looked at me. I happened to be wearing a kurta that I bought in India. Oh yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And um, and it was hot pink, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, which you know, but it, it it was beautiful. It was tasteful. Um, sure. And uh, and she sat next to me, and she frowned at me and looked me up and down and up and down, and my eyes happened to catch her. Mm-hmm. At one point, and she just, you know, noticed that I was watching her and then smiled and turned away. Mm-hmm. And this is an older lady that, you know, we had spent time with at previous conferences and, um, uh, you know, enjoyed talking to and really considered um, a friend. She was somebody that we look forward to seeing. Right. Um, you know, once a year. And I was really disappointed in her reaction to my ethnic dress. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, and, 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 I, and I think maybe she, it made her uncomfortable for some reason. Mm. Um, you know, and, 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 and that's, uh, that's her problem. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And that's how I kind of approach people who, you know, may not feel comfortable with um, with our, our, uh, this, the color of our skin or what we do or, sure. um, you know, how, what we wear. Um, it's, it, I don't adapt those, uh, those problems. Um, again, because I go back to my, my whole, um, desire is really to bring cultures together. And so, yeah. um, you know, if I have to respond in an unkind and confrontational way, and I would if someone was incredibly disrespectful mm. uh, to me. But if, you know, I just got a dirty look because somebody didn't like me, my You know what? If that were me, I would have been so cheeky. I would have been like, oh, are you admiring my beautiful dress? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was so <laughs> Because I... I, I, I <laughs> and maybe would... And, you know, and maybe that would have broken some of the ice and maybe she would have expressed herself a little bit and, and open up about why she was looking at you like that. You know, uh, I found different ways at times to engage with people like that. And sometimes it's just like a little cheeky joke or just saying something that they're not expecting you to say. So for example, in that situation, she probably would have expected you to be a bit aggressive or angry, mm-hmm. but if you responded with kindness, that kind of throws people off. I think when they, when they're mean, and um, it would have just been interesting to see how she would have responded to that. Because like you said, obviously there was something in her that was making her uncomfortable and it has nothing to do with you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, you know, had I been quicker on the draw, I would have been. <laughs> you were probably so taken aback and shocked by it because she was yeah. a friend. Yeah. 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 yeah I, I was, um, you know, but we, we've encountered that. I, I've encountered it already. I think in the um, public speaking, Yes. Realm. And, you know, we're attending, I'm attending the National Speakers Association conference in a couple of weeks. And Ian is coming down a few days later just to hang out in Orlando and, and, you know, meet people as well and do some, uh, some work for World Footprints. And I happened to mention, you know, ask if there were any activities for spouses, because you know, other people are bringing their spouses and their children and there's activities for the kids. Mm -hmm. Um, And, um, you know, somebody was putting together a golf tournament, um, which he won't be there in time for. 
And so I inquired, you know, are there any other things for spouses um, to do? Uh, you know, which is a reasonable question. And um, one person who's coming from Hawaii, she's in the Navy, or commander mm -hmm. of the Navy, mm -hmm. she, you know, she piped in on, on this Facebook group and she said, you know, um, this is not a fun conference. We're coming here to work. This is not a vacation. Mm. And I wrote back to her and I said, you know, I am not inclined to defend um, an action that's already been taken. It doesn't involve anyone else. Uh, and so I won't, but I will tell you that we are both coming to work. We're travel journalists. Mm. There's work that we're going to do. So don't worry. Right. And um, <laughs> I'm, really, I'm really interested to, uh, to see if this person approaches me. Yeah. Um, but I took that as an affront because, again, there are not that many people of color, even in that industry. And whether, you know, regardless of her skin tone, for somebody to um, feel entitled to, to criticize, um, you know, a, a choice that doesn't impact them at the end of the day, mm. um, you know, I just, I thought it was inappropriate. And so I'm, I'm waiting to see what my first national speakers uh, conference is going to be like. And, you know, I, I expect some challenges, but I also more so expect people to be very um, generous and uh, giving mm -hmm. um, and, and supportive. But, you know, there's always a one or two. I mean, we saw a few of those one or two in India. You know, mm -hmm. always Yeah, I think wherever, wherever you go, and whatever you do, you're always going to experience challenges. And I'm really glad that you're sharing these with us because one of the reasons I decided to start this podcast is because I feel like, um, well, mainly one is because in this stage of business, you know, just starting out uh, the idea stage or when you've just launched, this area isn't really covered much. So this is why Secret Birds focuses on this area. But secondly, a lot of the times entrepreneurs don't talk about their struggles. Um, they don't talk about the challenges. You just hear 20 years later about when they've made it. And mm -hmm. I think that's why this entrepreneurial space is so glamorized and sometimes it's so overdone. And I think everyone's just kind of over it. <laughs> and right. we need to start sharing more of the challenges and the struggles. And it's really important that you share your challenge. And for you, it's being a couple of color in a, in a predominantly, um, white industry and what you and what you believe are the things that you're having to struggle with and how you're going through those things and for somebody else it will be something completely different but everyone's gonna have a challenge or something that they have to deal with but if you're if your resolve is strong and if you're if you believe in what you're doing the key is to not let those things derail your your plans and your right. your mission that's right. what's important that's what's Absolutely. important yeah. Absolutely. And it's great that you have your husband because obviously he's your husband, he's your partner, your friends, you can, um, you're, you, you can rely on each other at different times for emotional strength and for mental strength. So it's, you know, sometimes when you're working on your own, just the founder of an organization on your own, you don't always have that. So it's good to also have your, a co-founder or a buddy. And in your case, it happens to be a husband, which is great. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. And, and he, yeah. he's learned to, um, uh, take uh, direction um, well when it comes to you know cre uh, the creative side of of our shows. Yes, um, and and so you know because he's he he knows that I'm a storyteller and I can hear a story. And there there are interviews where um, we've had to take a scalpel to mm -hmm. them just to create a storyline and you know i mean what what we do doesn't happen overnight it takes hours upon hours to produce a one-hour program and, right and i'm very protective of our brand and uh you know the quality of our shows sure um, so he knows that he doesn't really he's not too keen on um <laughs> when i go into ceo you know boss mode um mm which happens if you know I want to get something done but um, but we work well together I love working with him good because uh, there are a lot of there are a lot of couples 
building businesses together. And I think it's beautiful. I think it's great when you can build a business with your partner. But for some other people, they, they wouldn't want to do that. They, they, would, they like the idea of having their own space and building their own business or two people in a relationship building businesses separately. That's also cool because um, they can bounce ideas off of each other mm-hmm. and you understand what the other person is going through. And, um, and that's so important. Um, it doesn't mean that, you know, your partner has to be an entrepreneur to understand what you're going through. But obviously, if they're in the same sort of boat as you, they, they can empathize, which is good. So, right. right. Yeah. So one of the other things I wanted to talk about, because uh, travel is, is, is what has transformed you and what's helped you to build this business. Do you think it's important for entrepreneurs to travel? And, and what advice do you have for entrepreneurs who may want to travel but believe that they can't do so because of money or time or whatever things they've created in their heads to make themselves believe that they can't? <laughs> well, yeah. I, uh, you know, the, with respect to the first question, I think travel provides the greatest education um, one could ever have. I mean, you know, PhD, <clears throat> excuse me, graduate programs aside, you know, the formal education aside, um, there is something so transformative about travel. And I have never known one person who has gone abroad and not come back a different person. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And that could be for, you know, a number of things. The, the guests that we just interviewed um, right before, <coughs> excuse me, our interview um, is a Brit. And he's been working in China, going back and forth to China. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I asked him, you know, he wrote a book uh, about China. He took um, stories from 50 other people that have either lived in China or live in China um, or traveled to China. And, and he wrote a compilation of their stories. And, you know, in terms of in, in the interest of finding truth. And so I asked him, what is your truth about mm. China? Mm-hmm. My truth is that, you know, China is um, a comprised of uh, peace-loving people, regardless of what the media tells you. Right. And so he has completely transformed his, his opinion about China. And we, we've interviewed a, um, another guest. I mean, every guest that we interview has had some transformative story about travel. But there's one person in particular who... Uh, a jazz artist, African-American woman. Uh, she's down in North Carolina and her agent um, was sending her to Germany to tour. Okay. And she was really reluctant to go to Germany um, because she had heard growing up that you know, all Germans were racist. Oh and goodness. Oh no, that's so old yeah. and dated. <laughs> You know, but she grew up, she's a generation older than I, that, you know, yeah. than we are. And so she grew up in the World War II era. era. Of course, yes. So yeah. she would have that. Yes, yes, I can imagine. Right, right. And so she was, she was really nervous, um, but she mm. went reluctantly. Mm. And she said, Tanya, you know, I have fallen in love with Germany. Mm-hmm. And I call Germany my second home. I mean, she because only because she traveled and she really saw what uh, people were like in, in that country and how much they embraced her and her music. Um, and that is what travel does. It opens your eyes. It opens your heart. It, it breaks down barriers. It destroys um, misperceptions. You know, mm-hmm. and, and that's critical. And it is especially critical if you're doing um, business and you know, it, it, we live in such a global economy that we're all operating in a global scale. And so it's important, it's critical to understand and appreciate and respect other cultures um, when you're doing business out there because you're going to interact with people from other cultures, even if they're based in the UK or the US. You know, there's, there, there's so much, um, many you know, cultures in both countries. Absolutely. Any country you operate on, you're going to encounter somebody who has, um, you know, different traditions than you do. So that is critical. And as far as affording travel, um, 
I think, you know, there, first of all, there are a lot of uh, low cost carriers to, to carry people across Europe um, from even, you know, the US from North America to, to Europe and Latin America. There's so many low cost ways to go. Um, and we, <laughs> I, I have stories about low cost carriers, you know, stories for another time, but um, <laughs> they're, they're low cost when you're, when you, when you, when you pack and travel smartly. In other words, you don't carry your entire closet with you. Um, and right. so, you know, there's ways to go there. There's Airbnb, there, um, is hosteling interact international, which is a, a, um, a network of hostels around the world and hostels have really changed over the years are no longer just for the backpacker right yes yes and they're no longer for the millennial you know there there are hostels for families um, for couples yeah. for there's a hostel for everything and there are hostels for vegans there are hostels for muslims there are hostels right. for, i mean there's a hostel for every niche out there that unimaginable all you have to do is type it in google and you will find it right. <laughs> Right. And, yeah. and a lot of them have, you know, have like the vegan recipe, you know, the vegan hostels, et cetera. They, mm -hmm. have, they mm -hmm. will have uh, halil food or uh, vegan food or, you know, they, they, they have cafes and the cafes are cheap and cheerful. So mm -hmm. you, you know, if you're into sustainability, there's hostels that are eco-friendly. I think there's right. in this day and age, there's no excuse. Everyone within every community and within every culture, people are identifying gaps and they're providing services to cater to, to their communities and to their, you know, people, if you will, if you want to call it that. And um, there's no excuses. There's, there's right. something for everybody. And you can, and if you really want to, you can travel. And I agree with everything that you've said. Um, I, I don't even need to expand on it. Travel is the absolute best education. Like I, I told someone recently, when you get off that plane, comparing it with books. I love reading books, but when you get off that plane, you learn, you get so many lessons in, in within 10 minutes. You listen to the language, that's your language lesson. You mm -hmm. see some type of art on the wall, that's your art and culture lesson. When you hop into your cab or bus or whatever it is and you drive through and you see the buildings, that's your architecture, that's your history lesson. There's so much that you absorb within just those few minutes of landing in a new country. And I call it wearing a new pair of eyes because you come with one pair, but you leave with a completely new pair of eyes, which allows you to have a different perspective. And books are great, but you have to travel and see the world. And in business, business is about relationships. And if you can't develop genuine relationships with people who are not like you, or who don't have a view that you do, or if you can't really, if you can only deal with people who are just like you, you're gonna have a big, big problem managing a business. And how boring would that be, really? Exactly. And people always like it when you can say to them, oh, I visited your city and I ate your food. And people love that. People love knowing that other people have, have appreciated, you know, been to their country or, or worn their dress or eaten their food. I think, I think it's, it's a compliment. And people like knowing that you, you've, you've, you've gone out of your way to, to, to appreciate something that's different to your, your own. So that's great. Right, and, and, and I always like the backyard um, traveler too. You know, there's so much in our own backyards um, that are surprising. Ian and I just did a, a couple of tours in DC, um, the international powwow, kind of part of the US travel um, uh, agency uh, marketing arm. You know, they, they bring journalists from all over the world to discover America. Right. So we took a couple of tours and we saw things that we have never seen, like the Basilica um, at Catholic University. And mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there's a, a place that's not too far from where you went to school here called Hillwood. Okay. And, um, it's an, an old historic home. So we did a historic and garden tour and um, what they call little Rome tours. And we, we mm -hmm. went to St. Paul and Basilica, but um, at Hillwood, this property, they had, oh my God, I, I don't know how many acres, like five acres, this mm -hmm. property sat on beautiful stately home, um, incredible artwork, but the gardens, there was a French garden, there was a Japanese garden, there was um, a garden that was influenced by, uh, you know, an English garden. I mean, it, it just different, the gardens had different 
um, country affiliations. Yeah. You know, so we can find things like that. You in know? your in, in your own home, it doesn't. You don't always have to take. I mean, there's nothing wrong with taking extensive trips up, across the Atlantic and so on. But right. it can be something as simple as just how many people don't even know their own their country or their own island. I mean, like for example. You know, in, 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 if you come from certain parts of the Caribbean, you may only know your island and you don't, you've never been to the islands around you. If you grew up in the UK, you've lived in London your whole life, but you've never been to, say, Bath or Leicester. I mean, there's, there's always something in your own backyard waiting to be explored that, that can transform your, your mindset in some way and help you to better serve clients in, in your business. And just for yourself, too, just for your own personal growth as well. Right, right. And, and, and what I would, you know, advise people to do if, when they're traveling abroad, learn, oh my goodness, for goodness sake, please learn the local language. Just hello, goodbye, thank you, you know, please. And of course, you know, where is, if you have to go to the loo or, you know, the toilet is a universal word. Um, you know, cab, I think, is taxi is a universal word and so there's certain universal words you can use but it just a simple you know ni hao ma um mm. chinese for hello or uh you know russian hello mm -hmm. you know if you learn and there's easy and, and it will it will endear people to you um and that's something that we we do continually when we wherever we travel I, you know at least Learn those, you know, hello, goodbye, thank you, um, you know, please, and where is, or whatever. I, I, I have my, my staple words that, that I like. That you try out. to learn when you travel. That's a really yeah. good idea and a really good tip. And I think also, you know, there's the language of manners, which is universal and respect. And you don't always have to know certain words, but there's a certain type of, there's body language and there's mannerisms. And I think yes. there's self-respect, manners will take you around the world, whether it's yes. Russia, China, India, Vietnam, manners will, people respect manners. <laughs> and as long as, as long as you're polite and, you know, offensive and, and people see that you are genuinely trying your best, um, it's, I think you'll do well, but that's such a good tip to learn the basics. And, 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 and then when you go back home, you can impress your friends. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it was so lovely to speak with you, Tanya. Now, what I would like um, you to, to tell us now is about your website, where people can find you, how people can reach out to you, um, and, and how people can get more involved with you, your community, anything that you might be looking for, or, or what have you in these oh, last sure. final minutes. Yes. Yeah, thank you, Joanne. So our, world, our um, website is worldfootprints.com. And it starts with the HTTP colon backslash backslash world footprints, footprints is plural, dot okay. com. And um, we are all over social media, um, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Pinterest, um, Instagram. <laughs> I, I couldn't be bothered to learn Snapchat, so I'm not doing Snapchat. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> so but everything is at world footprints um i also have my own personal tanya fitzpatrick facebook page um, that I, I use more for personal things right and so the world footprints facebook page is more geared towards world footprints okay um, and um so we have our you know our latest uh, radio shows on uh, on our website worldfootprints.com and we're also on iHeartRadio, Stitcher, iTunes, of course, um, SoundCloud, uh, golly, Spreaker, um, I mean, several. <laughs> you're in several channels, so you're yeah. definitely out there in the, in the, in the, in the space. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, I, I would just love for um, people, if somebody has a really inspiring travel story, or if they are from a, an area that is, uh, has been getting really negative uh, media coverage, and that's a whole nother topic. Yes. Um, you know, and they want to, to, to help us litigate the headlines. Right. And uh, set the record straight about their home and their people. I would love to hear from them. 
Yeah. Oh, that's such a great opportunity. Do you hear that, guys? So if you are from, if you're listening, wherever you are in the world, and you come from a part of the world that is people consider to be quite obscure or no one knows about it, or whenever it's in the media, it's, it's in not in a positive light, you can share your story. Yes. With Tanya and, her, and Ian. Yeah, and you can help. That, that's great. I think that's a great opportunity because we need more platforms that share different stories about, about different parts of the world to break down all the ignorance and, and the barriers so that more people can get out there and travel. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And then begin to really understand that we all do share a common humanity. And um, there is a contact <clears throat> page on our website. Okay. Um, it, it, there's a menu button. I think it's under the about uh, menu tab at, at the top of the uh, the homepage, and um, it, the drop down. There's a drop down that um, that points people to uh, contact us, and so um, folks can leave a message for okay. us, and okay. then I'll follow up accordingly. Great. Thank you so much, Tanya. We're so grateful to have you on our program. It was so nice to speak with you about travel and your journey and entrepreneurship. And our community aims to inspire, empower, and encourage entrepreneurship as a tool. So hopefully someone out there listened to something you had to say today and you've got them so revved up that they want to go buy an airplane ticket or <laughs> maybe they're <laughs> going to really sit down and think about what they want to do. Like you said in your interview, which I thought was um, such something really powerful that I haven't considered myself is discern between your interests, your passions and your true calling. So maybe there's something that you said that will help them to reflect on who they are and what they want to be and try to cement that all into some kind of business. So hopefully this was inspiring and thank you so much again, Tanya. Oh, thank you, Joanne. It's been a pleasure. Okay.